Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And on a mark, make your heart scream hallelujah tonight. I know it. I know it. I know it. Let's bow our heads tonight. Precious, blessed, lovely Lord Jesus. Blessed Redeemer, Lord. What a friend you are. Great Emmanuel, King of Kings, Lord. It's an honor and a privilege to bow before you tonight. Lord, you're still very good at your job. You don't get tired. You don't retire. You don't wear out, Lord. Your promises aren't sometimes spotty and sometimes here and there, Lord. You're still just as powerful as you've always been, Lord. All those years ago when you were flinging out solar systems off the tips of your fingers, Lord, you're still that powerful of a God here tonight. We come here tonight, Lord, a very needy people. Each one of us stands here, whether it be healing in our body or healing in our soul or healing in our spirit. Maybe we got a question on our heart, Lord. I don't know their thoughts. I don't know what's going on in their minds, Lord, but you do. And, Lord, you are the one that shows up and reveals himself to be God, Lord, because you are God alone. And you are our God tonight, Lord. We've taken these few minutes and we've sang and we've praised and we've worshipped you. we poured out our cup of offering at your feet tonight, Lord. For we truly believe that you fill all time and space and you're omnipotent, that you're all power, that you're holy, and that you care about us, Lord. You care about even the very thoughts we think tonight, Lord. How we love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us tonight, we pray. Let us stay focused on your word. Bless my brothers and sisters, Father, in your precious, wonderful, and holy, and beautiful name. Amen, amen, amen. Do you love the Lord tonight? Amen. While you're standing, if you would just, let's turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You serve a big God tonight. Maybe your God's getting tired. Maybe he's about ready for retirement. Maybe he's starting to wear out. Maybe he's not as good as he once was. No, if anything, he's more powerful. What makes God more powerful? By the faith that can believe who he is. See, as powerful all as he is, if you don't believe that he's that way, he can't do nothing for you. But how much tonight in this place can your faith be released to believe that he is the all-knowing, all-time and space-filling, all-need-fulfilling God? That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. I want to read those few verses there to you tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. And, and this look at this exhortation. Look at this greeting. Look at this, this opening to this letter that Paul had written there to the, those in Thessalonica. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians. And your Bible would be italicized as well, right? Which is. Is your Bible italicized? These saints that are there, which is. is it, I know this doesn't, but you're, you're already in Christ Jesus. Already seated in heavenly places. Already pulled apart his chest. Put you inside there and keeps you safe from everything that goes around. He's got it, it says, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace. Have you enjoyed that grace that the Lord has given to you in your life? Have you enjoyed that peace that's coming to your experience with him? It's different, isn't it? It's different how it's changed you. You think about the things and the tests and struggles that you that you stress at and all that and how it kind of takes your peace. But God gives you peace. Verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing 
brethren, beloved, your election of God. You may be seated tonight. Knowing your election of God. We say this all the time that it's easy to get discouraged and forget who you are. Right? It's easy to get discouraged and forget who you are. See, your enemy reminds you all day long who he is. Well, actually, he kind of hypes himself up. I want you to think he's a lot bigger than he actually is. If you've ever seen a good con man or a good front man to a, to a fight or any of these things, he comes along and he wants to bluff you. I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do this to you. This is what's going to happen. But he got nothing. He's got nothing. He can't touch you. He can't touch you tonight without written express permission from the throne. So who's really in control here tonight? Who's really in control? We tonight we sit, this is like I said earlier in our prayer, a little foretaste of what God has for us. We sit in this blessing that God's provided. We have the next five services here. They've, they've been so gracious to allow us to use. And, and, and just, it, it, I say it's a blessing. I say it's a blessing. It, isn't it wonderful to praise the Lord here tonight? It, it, it feel a little bit different, a little bit sweeter to you. And it's just amazing what God is already doing here in these walls. What will it be like when we step out for a m- couple months and they come back in to have their services? I hope it feels real good to them. I hope it feels real good. Lord, I want to come back. I, I want to know what that is. I want to know a presence like that. I want to know a God like that. See, the thing about knowing God is it can't just be what your neighbor thinks. It can't be what your wife, your husband, your spouse. you got to know him tonight. you got to know him in the power of his resurrection. You understand that? you got to know him. In the, that was Paul's request there in Philippians. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. See, the beauty about this God that we serve, if you were to go to any other tombs of all the other religions out there, whether it be Krishna or Buddha or, or Muhammad, any of those things, you find full graves. Full graves. See, there was a song that came out in the Southern Gospel Realm a few years ago about a slightly used grave up for sale. Slightly used grave up for sale. See, since the beginning of time, no one had ever raised himself up from the grave. Not one ever before and not one since. So you remember there with the, 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 the one man that comes to Jesus and he says, you know, he, he, he was a lawyer and then you find the, the rich young ruler. You find him later on, Jesus tells his end there in hell. He lifts up his eyes and he said, Lord, if there was a way that you could go to my brethren, you could go to my family and, and tell them, at any cost, don't come here. At any cost, don't come here. Whatever you got to do. The Lord Jesus says in that, he said, even though one raised from the dead, they would still not believe. He's like, I'm the one that raises from the dead. Still don't believe. I was reading earlier in the book of Mark, and I've been studying through the book of Mark the last week. And you find a a theme pretty quick, and not just in Mark, but many of the other Gospels, how Jesus says all the time, no matter what he had done, whether it was the leper that was healed or or, uh, the the, the woman, any of those there, each one they were told, don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. Just go show the priest whatever it takes for purification. Keep it under your head. And they would always ask, do you not seek your own glory? Do you not seek any of these things? And he's like, no, just, just keep it. And there's another place that you find he comes into town. It's where the, uh, the, Sarah, the, the Samaritan woman comes to him. He tried to sneak in. He tried to sneak in to the house where they was at, comes into that city. But it says there was this woman that knew he was there. She was the one that had the daughter that had that unclean spirit on her, that had been doing all those things. And he tells her, why, you know, why would I cast the children's bread before a dog? When you talk about, you know, I'm going to go to the Lord Jesus, and, and I'm going to show up. I have my best clothes on. I want to just walk up there nice and formal, and he's going to immediately accept me just like so. That's what you would expect it to be. We're talking about, again, who is God. So he 
has this woman come before him, and his first thing he tells her, you ain't nothing but a dog. Most people would have said, I'm getting in my car and going home. Call me a dog. Call me a dog. Her response was, yea, Lord, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall off the children's table. And the Lord Jesus started smiling as soon as she opened her mouth. Can you imagine being one of the disciples that followed him? And you get to watch, and maybe you have they, a lot of them are like scribes. John and Matthew, they're writing down everything they're seeing. Can you imagine if they'd have been watching expressions? And they're seeing, you know, it looks like he just admonished this woman pretty hard. You ain't nothing but a dog. And she steps back, and she opens her mouth, and that starts coming out of his mouth. He might have went from real stern to started smiling. He's, oh, I've been looking for faith like that. And you think about faith because that's how we have access to God. Faith isn't from here. Faith is that thing that transcends from there. Uh, Hebrews 11, 1 says that faith is a substance. Now, we've been talking a lot about dimensions and, and what can come from that realm to this realm, how angels can move back and forth from that realm to this realm. And where if your eyes aren't allowed to see it, then you wouldn't even know. I, my, I believe tonight with all my heart this room is packed out. With all my heart, I, if you were to have to look outside, and maybe amidst every one of those cars, you can see chariots of fire sitting there. You believe God like that tonight? Let me tell you, again, of his promise, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be in your midst. Where does he go that they don't go? They're excited. They want to see what's going to happen. You think they don't get curious? What's he going to do now? What's he going to do now? What could happen if there's at least two or three believers in this room? It ain't got to be packed out with thousands of people. It only takes two or three. You know, one day it took one man that stepped out and said, Son, stand still. You stand right there. I'm not done. You stand right there. And you have all these scientists and theoretical physicists walking by. That's not possible. can never happen. Never happened before. Never will happen again. Never. It can't be done. But it did. It did. And it stayed. And it stayed. And it stayed. And nobody floated off the planet. Because without the sun, without this rot rotation of the world, you lose gravitation. Now, the beauty of that paradox is one of these days we'll lose gravitation. And we'll just kind of disappear in a way. And we're, we're reading there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. But you know what the 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is? It's the rapture about what happens for your catching away and being translated. Verse 5 in that, chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. It didn't come unto you in word only, but also in power. It didn't just come in word. See, the thing about Mark 16 is uh, that, that to, go all the, to go beyond the world and preach the gospel, that translation is meant to be demonstrate the gospel. You understand? To demonstrate the gospel. Paul would tell you, I didn't come to you with great enticing words of man's wisdom to say, I stretched all these theological words together, and you walk away thinking, that guy must know God. He said, no, I showed up and proved to you that I can bring him on the scene. I can bring him on the scene. And the thing about uh, you know, the, the, the founder of your religion, the founder of your faith, the one that we serve, Brother Ram said that we're the only other belief or faith upon the planet that can prove, you can prove your founder's still alive. Whoa, I got real. Again, you're in the wheelbarrow there. I got to prove he's alive. You got to prove he's alive. But it's not that hard. You surrender your life and that resurrection of life, it just starts to sweep over you. And you're not what you once were. You're now being surrendered. And that Holy Ghost starts to shine out through you. If you looked at him, Mark, about when he goes to the Mount Transfiguration, 
And the Lord comes down, and you know, as far as the presence of the Lord and the anointing, all this there in that moment, that it actually says that his raiment shined whiter than snow. The raiment shined whiter than snow, so exceedingly white and bright and shining that was more so than any fuller could ever soap. The raiment. I don't think it was the clothes. I think it was the vessel the clothes were on, shining so brightly like the noonday sun. Because if you fast forward a few years, Saul got to see him, and he said it was a light so bright, brighter than the noonday sun, that struck me to the ground. Your God, not just in word only, but also in power. That's the mechanics and the dynamics the prophet has talked about. You have your vehicle. You go to start up right now and someone drains all your gas out of the, the tank. You go to start your vehicle up. You got a good oil change. You got your tires rotated. Everything's in line. Everything is all in firing order. Everything's going good. It's turning over, turning over, but with no spark to ignite, you're not going to do nothing. You'll be the $200,000 vehicle sitting out there with no octane, no gas, no spark to ignite the mechanic and to get it to life, it won't do nothing. But it didn't just come in word only, but in power. See, I, we've said that a lot lately there in John, in, in chapter, in Mark chapter 3, where John is describing about this one that comes behind him. He said, I'm not even worthy to unloose his shoe. I'm not even worthy to unlatch his shoe. The one that comes behind me, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And fire. This isn't just all headed up. This isn't just my idea. This isn't just my thought. This is the Holy Ghost coming on the scene and vindicating his word proving he's still alive. See, I say this a lot. You were two, we're, we're 2,000 years now since the, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. There's been a lot of believers in between you and there. And, and you think about a lot about how we uh, tend to grasp and we tend to think our thought process, how this would work, how this would work, how this would work. You think about your job. If you're working for a company, are they producing enough? Have they got enough coming in without having enough money to be able to make your paycheck? Will your paycheck bounce when you go to cash your paycheck? You want to make sure they got enough money. You know there's enough there to take care of you as you do this in your life. Because otherwise, there have been many companies that were going out, their employees went to cash their checks, and it bounced. And there have been many uh, companies going out that told their employees that if you ain't there by 10 a.m., don't even bother going. Won't be no money there. See, 2,000 years. Ain't no other company been around for 2,000 years. Not like this heavenly company. Not like this heavenly host that's been around for way more than just 6,000 years. And he's still able, after all these billions of people have locked on with faith and believed. Billions of people. There's a song that I like. <clears throat> Thank you for the water. It's a lot harder to get water here now. Going to the bathroom is a little bit more work than it used to be. But, <clears throat> praise the Lord. But you find out that, that, that if you can lock on with faith, if you can lock on with faith, this is what I was telling you about this song that uh, I can't remember. I think it's that, that's no mountain for a climber that I think Jason Crabb does. He said, I looked at the mountain, and I saw footprints going up the side of the mountain. And he said, I knew there was no way to climb it whatsoever, absolutely no way to climb that mountain. It's too steep. See, I think it's in Habakkuk that he talks about making your feet like hind's feet. Where if you've ever seen a hind, they can walk up a ledge, it's like an inch and a half, and they can walk right the sheer rock of that thing. So he says, this mountain that cannot be climbed, I'm looking at it, it's my struggle, my trial, my test, or the things that I worry about and go through, and I'm looking at it, and then I notice there's footsteps, a print going right the side of the mountain. And he asks the Lord, who is, whose footprints? That's just the believers that's gone on before. It's just the believers that have gone on before. It can be done. It can be done. I can say this all the time. Why didn't that boat empty out when Peter was walking around? 
Why didn't it empty out? Wait, that's the same God I've been with all day long. And this man just believed it. And he can do that. I'm out of the boat too. See, you're not living in a day that it was just in that, in that shadow, in that time, in the beginning. Because again, the word was made one flesh then. In this hour, the word has made many flesh. I'm looking at him right now. Through back to your eyes. I'm looking at him with my eyes. You're looking at him through my, your eyes right here. Rewind back. Legion, he walks off the boat. He walks up there. Legion comes out of the tombs. They ain't been able to hold him down. He comes running up to him, hits his knees, and says, Please, don't cast me out. Demons were begging, begging, don't cast me out. Demons were begging. That makes me so happy. Makes me so happy. Those demons are looking at this little frail man. How did God get in there? How did he get in there? No different than you. See, God, Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Do you think it robbery to be equal with God? Because her name on the checkbook is just as good as his. So what do you need right now in this place? What do you need right now in this place? I'm not here to play with you. I'm not here to joke with you. I'm serious. What do you need right now in this place? See, you're in a warfare. You're in a battle. You're not called to a picnic. You had to fight how many demons to get in the door tonight? How many demons to get in the door tonight? I was sicker today and from the waist down than I think I maybe have ever been in my life. Never hurt that bad. That started getting better. I had a stomach come on. I thought I could throw up in any minute. Satan is fighting so hard to keep me out of this room. And I'm just one. I'm just one. You're in a war. You're in a war. What is the cost? What is the cost? Your, your eternal destination is set. He can't take your eternal destination. He can't take your name off the book. He didn't put it on. He can't take it off. Glory to God, he can't take it off. He can't take it off. So the one that took his time to write it down is strong enough to keep it on the page. Strong enough. Think about what it looks like. Imagine if you could have been standing like a scribe that time and you watch your name start to form and he's writing it down and it ain't just some guy named Sam. It ain't just guy, some guy named Samuel Mark. It ain't just, oh, he's writing Parker down. That's my name. That's my name. You think about how excited John got? They saw my name on the book. That's my, that's where I'm going. That's my eternal destination. And ain't nothing Satan can do to take it out. And he's just our brother. John is just our brother. They got to go first. He got to go first. See, warriors, warriors. See, a heart full of faith, not a heart full of unbelief, a heart full of faith that can take and say, that's my promise. That's my promise. Satan, back up. That's my promise. I believe it. You believe it tonight? Every promise to you, he said was yay and amen. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Verse 6, and you become followers. You become followers of us and of the Lord, having received received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. You can have much affliction and joy. And again, that's passing understanding, wouldn't you say? How you can have much affliction and yet much joy. That can't be done in your own human realm. You get tired, you get weak, you get sad. Typically, as a human, you start hurting, you get mad, you get bitter, you get angry, you get resentment. But you're saying that if I'm under much affliction, somehow I can have much joy. That means that the one that created joy has stepped inside. Because you can't do it in your own flesh. In your own flesh, you're just as weak as I am. 
You struggle just like me. You have bad times. You have hard days just like me. But when the word, because he said you received the word, you received the word. The word is a seed. As I'm right now preaching to you in this moment, I am taking the seed of the word of God and I am planting it in your heart. God will take that and he'll quicken it and bring it to life. And now, you, as you leave tonight, you walked in with a certain way. But now, if you had a, a fuel gauge to look at, I'm a little closer to full. I'm a little closer to full. I'm a little closer to full. I'm not as weak as I walked in. I can see the bars raising up a little bit. What was it said about Stephen? Said he had about that much of the Holy Ghost? He had about that. Bible says he was full of it. Full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Lord Jesus Christ. Full of the one that took those planets and flung them off his fingertips. Full of the one that said, let there be air. Let there be light. Let there be water. Let there be all these elements. And guess what happened? It happened. The same one that's in you tonight. The same one that's in you tonight. You received the word. You received the word. Verse 7. So that you were examples to all that believe. So that you would be examples to all that believe in Bentley, Kansas. So that you can be example to all that believe in Wichita and all the surrounding areas. Because this isn't just a book from yesterday. It's a book of right now. Same God. Same God right now. You believe so that you can be an example. You can walk out there in your daily life and you go back to your job tomorrow, your home or whatever it might be. And someone says, you look different today. Something's changed about you. Can't quite put my finger about on you. But I, but I, don't, I, like, to, I like to hear more. I like to be around you a little bit more. I, it's almost like you've been in the presence of one that has changed you. It's almost as if, almost as if, from you, for from you sounded out. Listen to this, verse 8, for from you, right here, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, every place, every place your faith to God word is spread abroad. Every place, every place. You think about that tonight. Every place. Let's make it real good and tight. Every test. Every trial, every prayer request that's on your heart, that's on your prayer, line, your, prayer, your prayer letter, your prayer list, whatever prayer chain right now, take that word and just put it on top of it. Every place your faith to God were to spread abroad. We read that on Sunday, I think there from Book of Ruth, about him taking his skirt and he laying it over Ruth. She was filthy. She was a dog. She wasn't even allowed in the house of the Lord. She wasn't even allowed for 14 generations in the house of the Lord. And that mercy laid it across of her. And when he extends that mercy to you, you can take it and share the same mercy. Do you believe that tonight? You better believe that tonight. I'll start reading Mark 11 to you. You better believe that. Because if you don't forgive, if you can't share that grace with your brother and sister, you're not worthy of it. You're not worthy of it. Every place your faith of the God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. So that we need not to speak anything. You have all those folks that like to tell you they're a Christian. I want you to think that. I only want you to see them when they're at their best. I only want you to come to their house, come just to the living room. Don't look at my bedroom. Don't look at my den. Don't look anywhere outside. You just look right here. This is, this is what I am. That's not a Christian. Because, again, however you'll treat your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your husband and wife is exactly how you treat him. 
exactly how you, because if you're trying to hide from him, you're going to hide from anyone else too. No, you must think that I'm a Christian. I pray every night. I'm not, remember the one said, I'm not as this publican that stands here praying. I, I give tithes of all I have. I do all these things. Look how holy I am. He said, you're wasting your prayer. You're wasting your prayer. You're wasting your energy. You're wasting your breath. You ain't getting the prayer through. It must come through a humble heart. Lord, I believe. I believe, Lord. And if I have someone standing beside me, Lord, it might look like they're struggling, Lord. I want to take my brother and sister. Maybe they're struggling. I want to help lift them up. I want to love you. I want to pray for you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I want you to know I'm lifting you up. I want you to know I'm calling your name out in prayer. I'm calling your names out in prayer. You believe me tonight? I'm calling your name. I don't just love you here two nights a week, two days a week. I love you in my prayer time, and I'm calling for you. I'm believing for you. I'm claiming you and your family in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For they themselves, they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God, and how ye turned to God from idols. You were serving an idol. You were serving some of the concept of this God, but it wasn't really this God. You thought he was away, but when you finally met him and realized, matter of fact, he's actually alive. Matter of fact, he's actually alive. He's actually powerful. More importantly, he cares about you. Your daily mob, your daily time, your daily struggle, he's right there with you. And how you turned to God. From idols to serve the living and true God. Turn over into John chapter 1. The gospel of John chapter 1. I've told you that many times. I want to know how to get a prayer answered. I want to know how to get a prayer answered. I have people I'm praying for. I have things I'm praying for. I have a closer walk with myself that I must attain. I cannot leave tonight the same way I walked in. I'm no better than you. I'm no better than you. I can't leave the same way that I walked in. I must be closer. If I'm not closer, I'm lukewarm. If you're not closer, you're lukewarm. If you walked in and then walked back out the exact same way, you're not closer, you're lukewarm, which means, as a matter of fact, you're stepping back from him. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, we're just talking about you receiving the word. In the beginning was the word. Was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. It almost seems like he wants you to understand he's been there since the beginning. Same one all the time. Self, same God. Listen to this. All things. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Not anything made that was made. Now, we understand that in our time that, that you have manufacturers that have taken elements of the earth, and they put them together to where this, very, this was a tree. This wood was at one time a tree 120-something years ago. This floor, this wood plank, the floor joists, the walls, it at one time was a tree your God created. You're sitting in pews that were once a tree that he created. And when he flung that seed out in the earth, he knew where every seed dropped. And he probably thought, that one's going to make some good pews one day. That's going to make some good hardwood for one day. Going to make some two-by-fours and some rafters for one day because my people need a place to worship me. Is that too far-fetched? Thousands and thousands of years ago, he was thinking about you. 
Because we're talking about the Word. And if we were to jump into the book of Romans right now, I can prove to you beyond the shadow of a doubt before the foundation of the world. He's only been thinking about you. Only been thinking about you. Well, no, it wasn't until the day I was born and, and I was, maybe looked like I could be a believer, maybe didn't know could, where it could go and maybe stepped toward him. I, I see what I can do. No, no, no. Way before you was ever born, I had a fellow I was witnessing to. We were just fellowshipping on Monday. And he was talking about um, the different things that he struggles with through political realms and all the different thoughts and ideas. And he was talking about, uh, you know, different, uh, it got brought up about Judas. I, I brought it up about Judas in his question. And you understand that Jesus said that one of you is a devil, is a devil, not has a devil. He said, Judas is a devil. And he said, I never thought about that. I said, well, it's no different than Esau because you have John 3, 16. Everybody likes to say this is all there is. But then you have the folks that go so far against that and say, well, no, it's never going to be that. God only has just a few. God does have a few that believe him, but there are many, many others that will follow as well. It's not our job to say, not you, not you, not you, not you. You did this, you did this, you're out. No, no, that's not you. That's his job. That's not anything we get to control. You think about that. Not anything we get to control. Say you frustrated me. Say you made me mad or vice versa. And you had the ability to say, he can't go. I don't want him. No thanks. And then I'd be out. He don't work like that. He don't work like that. When God picks it, you're picked. When God picks it, you're picked. And he talked about Esau, that before either child was ever born, either child was ever born, he loved Jacob and hated Esau. Before either one could do anything good or bad, he loved Jacob and hated, not slightly disliked. You know, it gets irritated when he comes around, he's just always talking, and, and I don't like things he says. No, he hated. Bible said, your Bible, your Bible, we pull that scripture right now, your Bible said that. So you understand where that seed goes. But when God's talking about you, come on tonight, when God's talking about you, he says, my promises to you are yea and amen. You believe that? All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The very Zoe life of God, the very character, personality, what makes him that fire, it is light and it is life. And the light shined in darkness, it shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. See, I, I love how the Bible words things. When you start thinking about things you've had to comprehend, well, I'm speaking English to you right now. You have some that were native Spanish speakers, and you're having to translate that in, my, in your mind. And it's easy sometimes that maybe I speak too fast, or maybe you're not real good with English language. I'm not at all good with the Spanish language. I'm not at all good with French. Any of those other words, I can't understand, so I can't comprehend what you're talking about. If you jump to some kind of technical, uh, specific data or whatever, you'd lose me pretty quick because I'm not smart in that realm. So I won't comprehend, even though you're using the same language as me. So when you think about the Bible describing this, that this great light shined out into the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. What is this? As they're constantly backing up. What is this? What is this? Light always purges darkness. You let that sun come up in a few hours. What's it do to this darkness? It chases the shadows away. Chases the shadows away. That's your God. That's your Lord. Each day he chases the shadows away. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. The same came for a witness to bear witness. You know what you are tonight? You're a witness of the Holy Ghost. You're a witness of the Holy Ghost. I want to make you feel real special right now. It's easy to be, uh, you're either going to be a reproach for the cause of Christ or you're going to be a reproach to Christ. One way or the other. I was talking about lukewarm earlier. You're either going to be a reproach for him, for the cause of Christ, or you're going to be a reproach to him. I want to reproach for him. I, I want to step out. I'm with him. I'm with him. I don't want someone to look at me and say, no, if that's a Christian, if that's a message believer, no thanks. I've met people like that. But what God says about you, what God says about you is a beautiful thing. He pulls you up close to his side so that you might believe him, so that you might love him, so that you might live for him, so that you might be a witness of him. Because if you don't know that he's alive, if you don't know that he's alive right now, how can you testify? Otherwise, well, you know, the, the Bible says, and my, my pastor or my, my, my neighbor, my, they, they say, they say, they no, no, I'm here to prove to you he's alive. I can prove to you how he's a redeemer. How can you prove he's a redeemer? He redeemed me. I can prove to you right now he's a healer. He healed me. Right here, right here. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can prove it. If you saw me limping around this morning, you'd be able to prove it too. Just by watching what God's done to me. Just today. You're a witness of the Holy Ghost. Everywhere you go. And guess what? Satan knows it. Your enemy knows it. Do you believe me? you believe me? When you get up in the morning, your enemy knows. That's my enemy right there. He's not wondering... No, no, There's my, they're, all right, they're awake. They're awake. Go. Go this way. Send your armies that way. Come in that way. Come in that way. Go over the top over there. Anything you can to buff it. Anything you can to discourage. Anything you can to distress. Anything you can do to make them forget who they are. Because if they remember who they are, I'm done. See, the Bible talks about this whole planet, this whole creation, all that there is that is groaning, groaning. What's it mean like to you groaning? I'll just... No, groaning with a longing, waiting for the adopted, manifested sons and daughters of God that will personally escort Satan right to the lake of fire. So, of course, he's going to fight you. Of course, he's going to throw everything he's got at you. The prophet said there, in the, I think it's um, Christ the mystery of God revealed that that's why Satan is howling. That's why Satan is scratching like a dog at the door. That's why he's doing everything he can to buffet, to come at you every single which way. Because he knows his time's almost over. That makes me very happy. I think it's in Mark 7 or Mark 8 where <coughs> the man brings his son to Jesus. I think it's Mark 10. He brings his son to Jesus. And the son, he'd already, had already, and it's funny because uh, the scribes are there. They're, they're talking to his disciples. When Jesus walks up, the scribes are there. They're questioning his disciples. And Je you understand, Jesus wasn't there. They're questioning him, pressing him, pushing this against him. But they didn't want to talk to Jesus. They wanted to debate or discourage or whatever they come to his disciples. See, it's not this. He's a liar. He's in the house of Beelzebub. He's born in a gym and all these things. Didn't you know that? Didn't you know that? Didn't you know that? And then Jesus walks up. And he says, what you questioning them for? I'm right here. I'm right here. You have a question? Answer. Right here. I'm right here. 
And in that same in that same crowd, you have a man that had a son that had been bound with a, a demon that had latched onto him ever since a young boy. Jesus asked the father, when did this demon get a hold of him? He said, as a young boy had got a hold of him, and it was so tearing and ripping and thrashing and throwing him into the fire, trying to burn him up, trying to throw him into the water and do all these things. They couldn't hold him and kicking and fighting and all these different things. Jesus walked over to him, and the crowd saw what was going on. You think about this. They'd have been watching the fish being multiplied, the bread being multiplied, all these different demoniacs being cast out, and now he's walking toward a demoniac. They're rushing to see what's about to happen. What's going to happen? He sees them rushing. He walks up there, and he rebukes the demon, rebukes it right there, calls it out, and he calls it a deaf and dumb spirit. Think about that. This demon that's been thrashing him, throwing him in the fire, trying to drown him, all these things. Jesus, who I think would know his name, said, you're nothing but a deaf and dumb spirit. Come out. And the demon got scared. Your Bible says that demon got scared and fell out. See, things like that make me so happy. I, I might look like I'm excited. I might look like I'm carried away. But to know that a demon got scared and backed up, that makes my heart scream out. I've been buffeted. I've been fought. I've been kicked on and stepped on by the enemy. I know that he's real. I have no doubt what kind of did he come at and fight you and tempt you and beat you down. I know that he's real. So when I hear there's someone that can make them scared, I want all of him I can get. I want to be full of him to know that when I walk in a room, the demons are trying to leave. They're trying to leave. They're trying to say, where do I go? How do I get out? They're trying to jump off a, off a cliff and the hogs and everything else trying their best to get away. That kind of light, that kind of light that burned the darkness out. Verse 8, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Again, living, uh, written epistles, known and read of all men. That's what you are. Verse 9, that was the true light. That was the true light, the one from the beginning, which is the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Verse 10, he, he, that light, he, the creator, your God, your Elohim, your El Shaddai, your Jehovah Jireh, all of those things, he came into the world and performed a paradox. He performed a paradox. Again, a paradox is something that's so unbelievable, so unbelievable, so unfathomable, so unexplainable. Yet it's true. Yet it's true. Yet it's true. See, uh, we shared that with you, Brother Wayne was telling us about. They had to create a word to describe the union of all God and all man. All God and all man. They had to call it a hypostatic union. It's the only way they could come up with it to describe something like all God and all man. He was all God, but he was all man. And all he did was go first. I'm looking at the sequel. I'm looking at the fulfillment. I'm looking at what God has for you in your life. You might have come in tonight all discouraged and beat down and worried, but you are the purchased possession. You are the apple of his eye. You are what it's all about. You are what he gave his life for. You are who all he thinks about. My wife, my love, my fair one, my fair one. That was the true light. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. I still, I can't get over I can't get over something like that, that on the day of Pentecost, they were told what to do. There were only 120 there. 
120 people in that room. That room should have been packed out to bursting. It should have maybe, we need a few warehouses to put together because what we believe him. We believe that's God. We believe that's Messiah. We need as many as we can find. We need to be able to put it together and believe that it's God. But there was only 120. So when you see this scripture right here, that he was in the world, the world was made by him, and yet the world knew him not. Can't be God. Can't be God. Can't be God. He's the same. He's the same today as he was then. Same today as he was then. God does not change. As he was then, so he is in you tonight. Same God. As he was then, so are you. And as he is in this world, so are you. He came unto his own. He always comes to his own. And his own received him not. I love in this right here you find what God's heart was. We've shared that with you a lot about his promise to Abraham, to the actual blood seed, the Jew, the Hebrew of Abraham. And God said, I will, I will take that. I'll be a spouse to, that's my wife. I'll take that. And she would not have him. She would not consummate the union. She would not consummate the union. I'm not talking about as a natural husband and a wife, but I'm talking about as a spiritual Lord and wife. I open all that I am to you. He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Well, we can't even do the first one. I can't love him with all my heart. My heart belongs there. It belongs here. It belongs there. That's not what his wife says. His wife says, all that I am, all that I have, all that I'll ever be is his. I surrender, Lord. I surrender. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But verse 12 happens. Verse 12 is a creative verse. Verse 12 is not just telling you what happened. It's not just telling you who he was. It's not just trying to walk you from before creation. You heard me, before creation, and then pull back up to 2,000 years ago in our time. He's not just trying to do that. He's trying to tell you right now, as many as received him, what's it do? He gives them power. As many, are you reading the same Bible I am? As many as received him, he gave, them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. He gave them power. Now, we've talked about this a lot, about a, a quickened seed and an unquickened seed. A germinated seed versus an ungerminated seed. You could take a bag of green beans, a, a seed of green beans. You could take all these other seeds. Whatever you want to pick, throw them in your freezer. Never going to do nothing. You know, bury them in a bag, a cellophane bag, all wrapped. You can even do that. Take them in a cellophane bag, Ziplocs, all these things. Bury it in the earth. Pour water on top. Never going to come to light. But it's still a seed. But once it gets germatized, once it gets in the right condition, once it comes in the right atmosphere, once you get that electrically charged presence of the Holy Ghost, it will bring you to life. You always were a son of God. You always were a daughter of God. And the reason you can be saved is because you were before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. So you have the seed of God and you being born, that part of that seed, because we've shared a lot about that in the parable of the sower in both uh, Matthew and Mark where Jesus comes along and he's telling that parable about where the seed was scattered upon the good ground, upon the thorny ground, upon the stony ground, all these different places, how you had an evil sower come behind him and sow an evil seed behind him. So you have the evil seed, you have the seed of God. But that seed of God is just a seed of God until it's been quickened. 
But once it gets quickened, once the fire comes, you are now a son of God. You've been quickened. He gave you power to be son of God. And if God is God and you're his son and daughter, what's that make you? He can only have God. He can only have God. That's all he can offspring. That's all he can replicate. He can't make halfway. The prophet said uh, God don't make halfway Christians. God don't make halfway Christians. You can be a halfway, halfway Christian, but he don't make you that way. He made you to be a sold out, burned out, sold out believer of Jesus Christ. No matter what happens. No matter what happens. Gives you power to become the sons of God. This Lord Jesus that you serve, that we're studying on who he is, what he can do, and where he is right now, he gives you power to become the sons of God to them that believe, that believe on his name. Do you believe him tonight? I, I love how that even in my walk with the Lord, and, and what I, I thought I knew him 20 years ago, I just thought I knew him 20 years. I just you know, had a, a probably just a, a, a conception or an idea or an imagination of what I thought God was 20 years ago, or even three years ago. But what I've seen him do in the last two and three years is beyond anything I ever dreamed possible. Anything I ever dreamed possible. You don't believe me? Look where you're sitting. Look where you're sitting right now. You ever seen God do something like this before? But he's still God. He's still God. He's still God. Verse 13, these sons that we're talking about, these seed of God, this actual God that's birthed in your flesh, which were born, verse 13, which were born not of blood, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh or the will of the man, but of God. Satan tells you you ain't nothing. You ain't going to make it. You have no chance. You did this. You did this. You forfeited your right. All these different things. I got nothing to do with this. I got nothing to do with this. And you ain't either, Satan. This ain't by your will. This ain't by his will. It ain't by any of the will but God and God alone. And none can stay his hand. None can stay his hand. I ain't worthy. We'll never be worthy. But a worthy one took my place. A worthy one took my place. Took my place. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word was made flesh and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. Jesus, even when he's talking about John, and, and John's even sent disciples to Jesus. Are you the one that we're to see the you're the one that's to come, or shall we seek for someone else? John got in prison, John got discouraged, John was in pain, John was struggling, and he's wondering, you know, I, I thought you were God, I thought you were the Messiah, but now that I've been hurting for so long, now that I've been so far away from you, are you the one that we seem to, that we're seeking, or should we seek another? So he sends that to Jesus. The disciples come to Jesus, and they bring this letter from John or this, this verbal oratory, uh, this thought from John. Is this the truth? Does it say Jesus took his belt off and whooped him? He didn't say. Uh, the prophet would say it like this. Did J Jesus ever did give John a book on how to behave yourself in prison? How to, here, here, take this is how you behave yourself while you're in prison. This is how you keep the faith while you're in prison. What did Jesus do? He said, just come watch. Just come watch. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cleansed the land. All day long, they're like, okay, we're convinced. Have a nice day. We're going to tell him. We're going to go tell him. That witness that you bore is true. 
He said, verse 16, and of his fullness, of his fullness, of his partialness, a little bit, got a little bit of God. No, his fullness, his fullness, the same one we've been describing since the beginning that was the word, that is the light, that is the life of that same fullness. Have you received of that tonight? Have you received of him tonight? And grace for grace. Well, I was only imparted a little bit of grace. Maybe it wasn't exactly amazing. Maybe it was Maybe it was superb. Maybe it was sublime, but not really amazing. But then grace for grace come out. You see redemption. You see a God rich in mercy. You find out for yourself, he loves me. He loves me. And I'm not just serving as a servant. I'm not just living for him as a, as a granddaughter or a grandson of God. I am the redeemed, purchased possession of his own blood, of his own blood. How could you not love him back tonight? What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. So wonderful. So wonderful he is to us. Turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Do you believe what I've talked to you about tonight, what I've preached to you? Do you believe that's what God says? Do you really believe that tonight? Paul wants to go a little bit further to tell you how to stand. He wants to tell you how to be able to make it in the wiles of the devil coming against you when that flood comes in. He wants you to understand how to do all these things as you're walking day by day with the Lord. Verse 1, chapter 4. Furthermore then, furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk, how you ought to walk, and to please God. And again, we've shared a lot how much that is a Christian's goal is to please God because one of our brothers years ago is the first one that did that, and he disappeared. Enoch pleased God, and he was not found. They went looking for Enoch. What you waiting for? He, he, he went that way. Well, we've searched everywhere. We've searched everywhere. You think about the day Elijah went away. That fire come down and got Elijah. The sons of the prophets come to Elisha. He tells them, I saw him go down. They're like, we know. We watched it too from a distance. We saw the same thing, but we should go look for him. He's like, why? You can't see in that other realm. But we should go look. He's like, you can't see in that other realm. Are you listening to me? He was gone. Please, God, so you would abound more and more. So you would abound. More and more. You know what it means to abound? You know what it means to be exceedingly abundant? Do you understand what that means? That means you're not eking by. You're not scraping by. You're not, oh, I just barely, on, the, on just the tips of my fingernails. Oh, I almost, he almost lost me this week. He almost lost me today. He almost, I just almost lost everything. No, no, no. Abounding. You believe for a Christian's walk, you're meant to abound, that you're meant to prosper, that you're meant to be in health. Do you believe that tonight? That you're meant to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers? Because if the word's true, that's what the word says about you, that you're meant to prosper and be in health even as your soul is prospering. That he cares about this flesh, that he cares about your daily walk, that he cares about the aches and the pains and the things we struggle and press against. He does. He did not have to come to be your healer. He did not. You realize what kind of a, uh, a, a vile, a vile, humiliating thing it took for him to be your healer. 
vile, vile to be your healer. Well, it's no big deal. I mean, he was just walking by and saying, well, while I'm there, I'll just be the healer. No, no, no. He, he, see, it's always about blood. It's always about blood. The Bible says you've not yet resisted or strived unto blood. That tells you how much you got in the game. That tells you what you're willing to do. What are you willing to die for? What are you willing, what are you willing to die for tonight? Let me ask you that. You each one of them. I can start right now listing off your names. What are you willing to die for? If you're willing to die for him, if you're willing to give your life for him, whatever he requires, it changes your perspective and outlook on your life here. You realize that? So if you are willing to die for Christ, you walk out that door, someone pulls up a pistol and puts to your head and says, recant, repent, all these different things. Sir, <laughs> not going to work. I'm sold out. Take my life. Take it. Because to die is gain. To die is gain. To live is Christ. To die is gain. You don't think God knows that? You don't think God knows what it means for you to be in this flesh, this pest house, this stink house thing that you're in, and the things you struggle and pray? You think God don't know that? But he cares enough to make a way for you to not just get by, but abound. But abound. And then you find in that the, the, the sovereignty, the divine will and purpose of God. For a Christian, the way up is down. The way up is down. You think about Jesus, you find it in different parts of the, 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 the Gospels. Jesus is talking about a, a rich man. What it takes for a rich man to get into heaven. You, this is familiar, you understand? And Jesus tells the disciples that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to come into heaven, into the kingdom of God. And the disciples who've been with him all this time walked away and said, who could be saved? Who could be saved if that's what it takes to get into heaven? And Jesus says these words. With God, this would be impossible. With men, this would be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You understand how a camel will get through the eye of a needle? You have to take everything off and get on its knees and crawl through that small door. But it can be done. The way up is down. If you'll fall on this rock, if you'll fall on this rock, you'll be saved. But if this rock falls on you, you'll be ground to powder. Submit, surrender to him, to his headship, to his will, to his way. And you find just in your, the healing of your body, to that you would believe, Lord, you are more powerful than me. You believe that tonight, that God's more powerful than you? You believe God is more sovereign than you? You believe that he is more all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent than you are at this current stage of your walk with the Lord? You really believe that? Then you have to say that when I believe that when he said, by his stripes I am healed, I believe he did it. I believe he did it. When he said, he said, I sent my word and healed every one of your diseases, I believe he did it. And I step back and say, Lord, not my will, thine be done. You think about your walk, financial, we all have to have money to survive in this world. We all have bills to pay. We have things you have to have that you need the money. Not that it's a deceitful of rich, deceitfulness of riches. You're not longing for riches. You're not doing that because you think about you know, when you have someone from another country. If you were to go into Canada, your, your money, oh, well, it's not that way anymore. But you, you know, go back so many years, back where the American dollar didn't mean as much in Canada. You had the Toonies. You had all these different things, that, their, their currency. So if, if you're from another country, if you're from another kingdom, the currency of this this world don't mean nothing to you but you still gotta have a little bit while you're there 
You understand you got to take your money and while you go to France, while you go to Europe, any of those things and transfer your currency to that currency so you can operate and move while you're in that kingdom. You believe God cares about you having currency for where you're at right then, that way that you're not over here begging? Let me tell you the reason why. Because he made you a promise. He made you a promise. And your brother, your, your brother, I believe your sons and daughters of God, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or my seed, God's seed, begging for bread. Amen. Never. Never. So this ain't David saying, you know what, I think that would be a good promise. You know, we're working out with Asaph and the other different, uh, the different uh, poets. You know, what do you think? What do you think? No, no, no. He said. He said. He said. And he can back it up. He can back it up. He can meet every need you have tonight. I told you last week, I think it was uh, Wednesday night or Sunday night that I told you about uh, that we had, we've been, uh, been in between some jobs and we need some money to come in for a couple things and just wait for our, our job, a big job to get back onto it because the trades have kind of stretched us out and not be able to finish when we get paid. Monday night, come Monday, come home a little bit discouraged. Took five minutes, three minutes, two minutes maybe. Knelt down and said, Lord, I need some money. I need some work. I need something to come in to meet our needs. I need something, Lord. Less than two hours, my email was going off. When can you start? Less than two hours. I, I don't serve a different God than you. I don't serve a different God than you. He obligated himself to me just like he obligated himself to you. Heavens and earth will pass away, he said. Heavens and earth will pass away. You think about all the, the time and the design and the intricacy he put in this beautiful planet that he made for you to live your life on. But he said, this rock will pass away, but my word will never fail. He's like, this don't mean nothing to me. You're all that means everything to me. You are what means that you're the apple of his eye. The apple of his eye. He said that you would abound more and more and more and more. He gives you a whole lot of heaven to go to heaven in. You know that? He gives you a whole lot of heaven to go to heaven in. Because he said, I won't leave you comfortless. That's what he said. I won't leave you comfortless. He said, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. You don't go by yourself. He takes you. You think about how sweet and kind and precious that he is, that he'll take you. Verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. How to possess his, this is your vessel. How to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother and defraud his brother in any matter. Because that the Lord, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. The avenger of all such. As we also have forewarned you and testified. We shared that with you at the meeting here by the windows a couple weeks ago. Brother Manuel, that first night, he said, you understand if, if you believe the person sitting beside you has the Holy Ghost, do you believe that tonight that your neighbor or sister or brother that's sitting beside you has the Holy Ghost? He said, you believe that's God sitting right there? That's God sitting right there. You turn and look, whoa, that's, there, there, oh, there he is again. It changes how you speak to each other. It changes how you talk to each other. It changes how you think about each other. I would like to think that you just frustrated and irritated me, but I know my thoughts speak louder in heaven than my words do on earth. So I will keep that to myself as low as it can go and keep burying it. That you understand that it's God. 
the God that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified for God hath not called unto uncleanness but unto holiness he therefore that despiseth despiseth not man but God who also hath given unto us his Holy Spirit but as touching brotherly love but as touching brotherly love you need not that I write unto you for ye yourselves are taught of God taught of God you're taught of God to love one another now, this isn't just, um, well, I, I was, you know, 16, 20, 30. I received a Bible and I started reading the Bible, and then that's when I started being taught by God. No, in, in your walk with the Lord, before you ever picked up the Bible, when God started speaking to you for the first time, and you started to come to an understanding, when you started to get a real good grasp, an idea that He really is real, that He really is real, it didn't take you very long to believe that He was a Redeemer. It didn't take you long. Well, no, I don't believe he's that. I believe that he's everything else but a redeemer. That's not the God I want to serve. You didn't have that response, did you? No, I need a redeemer. I need a redeemer. And the way that he did it was he gave his own life. And he did that for when at that point in your walk, your life, your idea, you'd have been his enemy. So right then he taught you how to love one another. Right then he taught you. You didn't even have to pick up a Bible. These are things God will speak to you. These are things God, wait a minute. I know I'm lost. I ain't got to be told I'm lost. Someone ain't got to come on. Well, you see right here, it says you're lost. No, you can feel it. You know there's an emptiness. You know there's a longing. You know there's a yearning in your heart. That there's, there's got to be something more. If something doesn't change, something doesn't happen, I feel like that when I die, I'll actually die. You ain't got to be told that. You ain't got to have someone say, do you realize that? No, people know this. That's why when they see God, they, wait a minute, something's real. Something's real. That's something completely different than anything I ever understood or imagined. Something's real. I want to know more. And so you start walking with him. He starts speaking to you. He starts you know, communing with him. Even before you pick up a Bible, the Lord will speak to you. The Lord will speak to you through his word. Too. Don't get me wrong, but the Lord will speak to you. you ever, anybody ever the Lord speak to you before? Am I the only? Okay, so I'm not in the, you know, just a room by myself for those who watch the recording. God will speak to you. And you understand real quick that he redeemed you because you know you need to be redeemed. And then you find out the way he did it was he shed his own blood. And it wasn't just a quick death. It wasn't just, you know, I'm going to put on this real nice three-piece suit. It's the nicest suit you've seen. You see my shoes all shined up. Okay, let's go before a firing squad. Let's go get hung. You know, there's been many people that have been beheaded in very nice clothes. Guillotines, uh, hung, shot, firing squad, all that. They give a walking right there. If you want to put a suit on, whatever you want, sure, sure, sure. What, your own clothes you got going on right now? Not our Lord and Savior. You realize they stripped him naked? Stripped him naked, made him hang there in shame. They stripped him naked. Does he really love me? Does he really love me? There's nothing. There's nothing. You better hear me tonight. There is nothing he won't do for you. As you might think about yourself, even with your husband and your wife, you know, I don't know if I'd really do that for them. I don't know if I'd do that for my, do- my daughter or my son. My, I don't know if I'd do that, this, that, or that. But he said, I'd do anything for you. Bankrupt heavens and earth to meet your need. He's faithful tonight. Amen. He's faithful tonight. Let's all stand to our feet. We'll kind of stop kind of early for Wednesday night. But I pray that encourages your heart tonight as we have our musicians come. God is very real. God cares about your daily life. He cares about your walk. He cares right now where you are with him and in him.
F. <clears throat> Welcome home.
more of the mark. Help us to believe you more. Help us to, to trust you higher and greater. Let us grow nearer and closer, Lord, every single day. Make us more like you this way, Lord. We surrender to you right now, Lord, in this place. All that we are. We open every door of our heart to God. We fling open every part, Lord. If there's ever anything that might be buried way down deep, God, that we didn't even know was there, I pray that you with great light would bring it to light, Lord, and show us so that we can repent, that we can make it right with you, that we can lay it upon the altar so that there might be nothing between you and us, Lord. For we want you to have preeminence in all that we are and be. Have mercy on my brothers and sisters, Lord. Have mercy on the Lord in their walk, Lord. I pray from this point, from this day forward, Lord God, that they would be able to testify that my walk, my, my time with him has gotten sweeter than ever before. I feel like I've gotten closer to him than ever before. I feel like that there is no end to how far I can get with my Lord Jesus. Not just a small portion, not just, not just a small little bit, but there is no end to his presence. It just goes on and on and on, and eventually this body keeps. Lord, we adore you tonight. We thank you for your word, Lord. I've not just been reading from a book that's not in my brothers and sisters out of some good novel that just come off the New York Times bestseller. I'm not reading something that, that maybe even a 30 to 40 to 60 good scholars or good intellectual men might have studied and, and thought out, Lord. I, I believe that I've read from the written word of God. I believe that these words are creative. It doesn't take very many worlds to create a galaxy. Years ago, all you said was, let there be. Let there be. Let there be. So right now, Lord, with these words that we spoke amongst our brother and sister, Lord, I claim life. I claim presence. I claim deliverance. I claim mercy. I claim holiness. I claim a reverence. I claim a closeness with you like we've never had before, Lord. I claim a surrender to you tonight, Lord, like we never have before, Lord. Lord, we've got people we're praying for, our families, our loved ones. We're taking that same hope, that same blood, that same life of God, that light that we're shining in all them, Lord. We claim them in your name. We claim them for your glory. We claim them for your honor. Lord, we claim them for your message of the hour. We love you, Lord Jesus. We surrender all that we are to you, Lord Jesus. Have your way. Have your way, oh God. Lord, this coming to the close of our first temporary service in this building, Lord. Lord, what a promise. What a what a, what a, a blessing we stand here tonight and easy to say of all the complexes that we had and, and, and mis, mis, mis thoughts, misunderstanding things that, that we might have thought you would do. Might have thought that we would be beyond our grasp, beyond our reach as a, as a small body of believers. But once again, where two or three are gathered. Once again, where two or three are gathered. You're in the midst, Lord. Each one here tonight, each believer. Lord, you're in our midst right now, Lord. Let us lay our requests, lay our need at your feet, Lord, and we believe with all that we are that you'll meet it. We love you. We love you with all of our hearts, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that a revival starts here, Lord. I pray that a sweep of your Holy Ghost starts right here, Lord, that it'll start a burning in this little church, Lord, that it'll start a burning in this town, Lord God, and you will just spread and spread and spread, Lord. Have mercy on our neighbors. Have mercy on those around us, Lord God. Call them, Lord. We claim them in your name, Lord Jesus. We claim them for your glory.
have mercy on us, Lord. We believe you. We accept you. We thank you, Lord, that we get to taste your goodness. That we get to see your goodness from all around us. We love you tonight, Jesus. We thank you so much for the mercy that you've shown us, Lord. Bless our brothers and sisters that go their separate ways. Keep them safe. Lord, let the drive home be Things I want. These are things you want, Lord. You are who we represent.